Uh, so excited to be here with you this morning, and it, like uh, Brandon said, my name is Brian. If we haven't met yet, I do own uh, that chicken restaurant down the street um, that has a few people. No people there today, uh, thankfully, uh, but uh, I'm super excited for the opportunity to share with you uh, this morning. So why don't you go and bow your heads, and we'll dive right in today's teaching. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity for all of us to be here together. Thank you for this. The summer is finally here, and we are so thankful for it. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And Jesus, we are um, just filled with anticipation just to do, learn more about you and do life with you. And so God, just uh, bless this teaching. And God, we just praise your awesome name. Amen. All right. So... A few months ago, I was actually at Chick-fil-A's support center. That's our fancy word for the headquarters. It's in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was there for some meetings. And at the end of the week, we had, uh, I got to participate in what they call Founders Day. And Founders Day is a day where we take time to honor and celebrate our founder, Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy passed away in 2014, and we like to take this time to remember, you know, what were the things that, you know, he accomplished in his 93 years on this planet, but also we took time this year to, to actually talk about multiple failures he had and how he overcame those failures. Uh, this time was actually particularly interesting to go to because his best friend, uh, who happened to also be his pastor, actually came and spoke, and it had been five years, five years since he had entered the support center since Truett passed away. So for him, it was, kind of a, it was kind of a strange experience, right, to come back where his friend was for about, they had a 40 to 50 year friendship. And he came back and you have to imagine, I'm trying to set the stage for you. So the Chick-fil-A support center in the original building, it is, you walk into the atrium and it's five stories high and there's this beautiful spiral staircase that goes all the way up. And so he's standing on the stage, and there's literally like probably 1,300 people all looking over the rails, seating everywhere. And so everybody's gathered here to listen to Truett's friend. And he spoke about many different things, but there was one story in particular that just, just hit me. Um, and it was this. They were talking about, you know, coming close to his death and his time and his end. And so they were sitting up in his office, and they were talking about, you know, Truett was thinking about, well, what is, what's, you know, what's, what's Chick-fil-A going to be like after I'm gone? What's my family? And like everything I've worked my entire life to build, I know my time's coming. At this point in time, he was about 93, and he knows it's coming close. And he shared this conversation that, uh, which this is a good word, he said that Truett rarely worried about anything, but he was often concerned. And this is one of the concerns that he had. I'm going to put up on the screen for you. This is really good. He said, I am not concerned with how Chick-fil-A will respond in times of adversity, but in how they will respond in times of prosperity. And Chick-fil-A right now was going through, and we are right now, in this huge season of prosperity. People are wanting chicken. For whatever reason, Americans are craving chicken, and they want Chick-fil-A chicken. And the season of prosperity is coming up, and what was concerned about was how were we were going to respond when things were going really well. Not when times were hard, but how things were going well. Truett loved and lived a faithful life to Jesus, but he saw prosperity and he saw blessing, or he saw having what you need often is a great challenge that many of us will face in our lives. If you got your Bible with you today or on your phone, go ahead and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is where we're going to be parking the majority of our time today. To give you a little background, we're going to be talking about King David. And for those of you who are new to the Bible, King David, same David from David and Goliath. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, give you a little more background about who David was. 
David is the youngest child, and he comes from a family that really has no name, okay? So youngest child with no family name. He's also the shepherd, which the shepherd in these times is one of the lowest, you know, forms of work. So not only does his family have no name, and he's the youngest, but he's given the job that really the youngest of a family with no name would have. So that's what he's doing. But even through that, with the small things and the little things, David was faithful in the little things. And even though he was the youngest, God honored him and chose him. And in that time, it was always the oldest son, right? The oldest son would give that. But in this case, God chooses to use the youngest. Now, before we get into chapter 11, 2 Samuel 1, I wish we had time to go through all of it. If you have not read David's life, I highly encourage you to take some time to read it. It is, it is I'm surprised that Hollywood hasn't made a movie about it yet because there's a lot of twists and turns and good stuff in here. So I highly encourage you to read it. But 2 Samuel 1 through 10 is really full of talking about David, a season of prosperity in David's life. Okay, so in these first 10 chapters, David is anointed as king. So he officially is anointed as king. Uh, he basically, anybody that David comes up against, no problem. He's going to take him out. He's got it. David and his mighty men, they've got it handled. Also during this time, if he's want to make peace with people, it works out. They make peace with people. Also, the Ark of the Covenant that contains God's presence is moved back to Jerusalem. This is a big deal. And all of this happens in the first 10 chapters of 2 Samuel. But then we get to chapter 11, and this is where the story takes a turn. David is king. He knows what, it, what, what exactly he's supposed to be doing. And then look right here. I'm going to put up on the screen for you. 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Joab was his, was his commander. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabah, but David remained in Jerusalem. Now, in this time, the kings, it says right here, at the time of kings got to war, kings went off to war because close hand-to-hand combat, they're at the lines. It's not like today in military style where you're in a conference room, there's computers, you're making decisions that happen thousands of miles away. No, in this time, the kings are to go off to war during the season of time. But what's interesting is that it says he stayed back. Now, it doesn't tell us why, but it is very important that it does tell us that he stayed back. Now, it could have been he got lazy. It did say the springtime, so I don't know, spring cleaning around the palace. I don't know. He's distracted. It doesn't say, but the timing's off, and notice what happens. Let's go down to verse 2. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Whoops. Okay, so yeah, that, this it takes a big, big turn. So the question that we want to process through today and coming back to what Truth is about, how do you remain faithful to Jesus when things are going well? when things are going well. Now, I don't want to be, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be naive and think that everybody in this room is going through a season of prosperity. So I want to be clear when I'm talking about prosperity. When you really have, you have comfort. You know, the fridge has got some food. And I know sometimes you're like, man, there's nothing to eat in here. Well, if you have to cook it, 
You know, sometimes, you know, you got, you got to go into it. But you got, you, got, you got food in the fridge, right? You got food in the pantry. We have probably more stuff in our garages than some people around the world have in their entire life. Like, we have a level of comfort and a level of security living in the United States today in 2019 that is unimaginable to so many people. So when I'm talking about prosperity, I'm talking about a life where it's comfortable. We kind of have what we need. We're good. And so what happens is where David was, he really had everything he needed, anything he wanted. And that's when he got comfortable, that's when he slipped. That's when he made a mistake. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So how do you do this? How are we going to remain faithful? What do I want to propose to, to, to myself and to you all today are four disciplines. And discipline is a word that I don't think anybody really likes. But I'm telling you, this is going to be a good thing. And, and hang with me. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 12, 11. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Okay, this is one you want to highlight this. You want to bold, underline, get it tattooed, Greek on your arm. This is a good one, okay? This is Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, when I think of discipline, I think of my brother-in-law, okay, Brett Brady. Brett is into CrossFit. Now, anybody else do CrossFit in here? I'm going to put my hand down. Does anybody else do CrossFit in here? Oh, oh okay. My, my brother-in-law, nobody else. Okay, so the only two disciplines. No, I'm just so CrossFit, if you've ever gone to it, and I, he invited me once, and I want to be clear, he invited me once, and I went, and I can assure you, that that was painful. But here's the thing, you go in there and you're like jumping on boxes, you're like doing weights like as many times as you can and you're like running around the room and then all these people are like high-fiving each other. Like they're so excited to do this kind of stuff and I'm sitting here like literally on the ground in pain just going like, this is awful. This is like, this is so painful. But here's the thing, the discipline that he has to do that, it pays off. Imagine if somebody, like you get, you get in really good shape and you're like, oh man, I'm in good shape. I'm just never gonna go to the gym again, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, it will show. You know, when people are in college, you're like, geez, what happened? When they see you like five years later, you're in great shape in college. And then they see you five years later and, it, and you glow up. You have to remain disciplined. And the same thing happens here. So I want to be clear. I'm working on discipline myself. Exercise, I can't stand it. But I know it's a discipline that I need to have in my life. But let's look, enough about my personal life. Let's talk about the four disciplines. I want to talk about it. First one, put up on the screen for you. Remain faithful in conversation with God. We're going to look at a passage from Luke chapter 5, verse 15. And give me a little background on this one. Jesus at this time is surrounded by opportunity and surrounded by people that want his time and attention. They want to be healed. They just want to listen to him teach. He is surrounded by this. But check this out. Verse uh, 15 in Luke chapter 5. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses, right? All this time and attention. But... Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Did you catch that? Luke noticed the discipline that Jesus had. He didn't just withdraw on this one point. He often withdrew. He knew that he had to step back and remain in conversation with God. Mark also recognized this in spending time with Jesus. He even opens up in the first chapter of his account, Mark 135, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed or had conversation with God. So a question to ask yourself this morning is, how often am I withdrawing, withdrawing myself to remain in prayer? And I, I, I don't want this to be a guilt trip, but it's a question and a hardship. Am, am I withdrawing? Am I, am I pulling myself away? It is so 
easy. It is so easy today to just, you just get connected to that phone, right? You just get connected, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, like 20 minutes has gone by, and it, it takes up your time. There's so many things that are trying to grab and steal our attention. You know when you're watching Netflix, and you're like, I'm just going to watch one episode. And then right when you're done with the episode, what happens? The next one starts right after that. And you're like, oh, I guess I can watch one more. And you just get sucked into it because it's everything around us is trying to steal our time. And we have to be disciplined. I have to be disciplined to withdraw often. But like we saw earlier in Hebrews, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. If you're out of the rhythm, if you're out of the, the rhythm of having a conversation with God and withdrawing often, it's probably going to be painful. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be like, I don't really know what to say. I don't really know. But you got to You got to stay. You got to remain disciplined to it. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. It's difficult to know who God is if you can't sit still. I mean, how often, I, I was just, in, I caught myself doing this the other day. I was in line at Starbucks, okay, and I was there, and I was like, oh, I got a few minutes, and you just pull off the phone. Like, I can't even wait. Sometimes I can't, I catch myself not even being able to wait, like, a minute before I go up there. It, we have to be connected at all times. It has to be a discipline. It has to be a discipline. Recently in my life, for this specific one, probably, probably a few months back or earlier in the year, I realized in the season of prosperity, like I was telling you before, a lot of people want chicken and they want Chick-fil-A chicken all the time. We serve four to 6,000 people a day. And so I have four to 6,000 people coming to my business six days a week. I have about 100 people on my staff and everybody wants my time. They want my attention, all these things. And honestly, all of those things are good. They're all good things. I mean, sales and profits and chicken and people and all these things, they're all wonderful things. But what I realized is that 100% of my attention was starting to deviate to that. And thank God I have a courageous wife that was able to lovingly sit down with me and say, hey, I feel like that you are lacking in your discipline and having a conversation with God. I'm not seeing it. I'm not feeling it. And in fact, I'm not feeling it. We're having a conversation well enough at all. You come home and you're still attached and you don't disengage from the business. And I'm, I'm feeling hung out to dry. And I'm so thankful that she was courageous enough to call me out. And I also am thankful that I was able to listen and go, okay, oh, God, thank you for sending me that message. I've got to course correct. I've got to come back. I've got to withdraw. I've got to put this discipline back in my life because it's so easy to just slip. It's so easy to get distracted. Let's move on to the, uh, the, second, the second discipline for this morning. So we talk about remaining faithful in conversation. Remain faithful in listening and following God's word. Now imagine that you come to church and someone says, read your Bible. Okay, well maybe I'm not a pastor, so maybe you'll listen to me. I don't know. Uh, but so I, I sell chicken. But here's the thing. What I have learned in leading, as I said, leading about 100 people, I have learned that one of my primary jobs as the leader of that organization is to repeat myself often. Repeat, and I hate repeating myself, but that's what I've learned I have to repeat myself. For example, when, we're, when we hire on a new team member into the organization, we come in and I say, okay, hey, I, I sit down and I do vision, the vision and values. I share the values of the organization and I share my vision. And my vision from the business is to care, genuinely care for people. So the first time I tell them, they're like, oh, okay, like, uh, cool, I like that. So then when we do some retraining and I sit down, I tell them again, and I said, hey, remember our vision here at Chick-fil-A is to genuinely care for people. And they say to themselves, oh, that's good. I really like that. And then I tell them again, I, we do more retraining. Hey, remember our vision here at Chick-fil-A is to genuinely care for people. And they go, 
wow, this is the first time I've heard that. Wow, why didn't you tell me that sooner, right? Okay, you get my point. I have to repeat myself. So look at this. Second, Sam, uh, Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Question to ask yourself is, do we really want God's input about our daily life or know what God is thinking about our situation? Think about David again, coming back to the saying, when David is young and he's a shepherd, he has to rely on God to protect him because there's literally lions and bears and whatever type of creatures are out there that are trying to eat him and his flock. He has to rely on God. When David is trying to circumnavigate King Saul, right? King Saul, if you read through it, is trying to capture him, kill him. He's got to navigate through all that. When David becomes a young king, he's got to go, God, like, who should, what should I build? Who should I build? He's relying on God. He's being very faithful. But in the success, in the comfort, in that position, in the springtime, when the kings go off to war, David remained in Jerusalem. He got off course. And it's just a truth for all of us. Whether you're in a season of abundance and things are good, or you're in a season of trial and strife, you have to remain, I have to remain locked in Scripture, listening to God's Word, because all Scripture, as we just read, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. You got to make it a discipline because remember, no discipline, have you heard this before? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. So we've talked about living faithful in conversation with God. We've talked about living faithful and remaining and following and listening to his word. Let's look at the third discipline. Remain faithful in community with God's people. Being part of a community of believers is such a crucial part of it. Check out this verse. I, re I really, really like this. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly, that's a fun word, to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love that. I really, really love that. Consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Now, Jacqueline and I, we've been a part of a community here at 26 West for three years, and we've had the opportunity to lead a community group for the past year at our house. And I can't tell you how rewarding it has been, how awesome it's been. Just in the last, this is just the last six months in our group. We've had two couples get married, and Jacqueline and I have been able to go to both the weddings. One was in California, one was uh, just, I don't, I don't even know, near, past Wilsonville. I don't know exactly where it was, but it was, it was here. It was beautiful. We had great food. I'm not going to say which wedding had better food because I don't know if both of them are here or not, but they both had great food, great experiences, and it was a lot of fun, right? So we got to experience that. We also had another couple in our group that for a long time have been going through the process of adoption. And just, in the la and just recently in the last few months, God answered the prayer and they had now a beautiful two-year-old girl that's coming to their family. We've been able to celebrate with them. And so that's, that's just been awesome. That's been so rewarding. But we've also, sometimes as we're going through a group, we have to go through things that just, they just don't make sense. We have a, we have a couple in our group that they want to have a family so, so bad so desperately and for whatever reason God has decided now's now's not the right time and we pray and we ask and we try sorry and it's so hard because you're sitting here and you're looking at these two people that are just awesome 
And you're like, God, like, why, why are you not making this happen? Why is this not happening? It doesn't make any sense. It's hard. You can't do this alone. You have to have a group of people to celebrate in, this, in the highs and, the sell, and to be with you in the lows. And so the question for you today is, are you making community a habit in your life? Is it a habit in your life? Or you, it, like here it says, not giving up meeting together as summer. In the, are you, have you given up? Well, Brian, like I've tried a community group. I've done it once. I've done it twice. Well, I'm here to tell you, try again. Try again. I don't know. Start your own group. That way, like, it's harder to get out of if you leave the group, right? Someone pulls up to your house, they got a casserole, and there's nobody there. It's a little awkward, right? So maybe you got to start your own group. And you're like, Brian, people are so messy. Well, maybe start a group, and then you'll be the weird group. I don't know. Like, you got to figure it out. But I'm telling you that having community, Sunday morning, like, I'm an okay teacher. Jose's a great teacher. Brandon's really cool. There's all these great leaders here at the church. But I'm telling you, Sunday morning's not enough. If that's the only connection with Christ that you're getting, I'm telling you, my friend, if you want to remain faithful in a prospering world, in a busy world, in a world full of opportunity, it's not going to happen. You have to have a group of people that can be there with you to go to your wedding, to be there to celebrate when you die, to be there when you finally get pregnant, be there when maybe you don't. And someone's going to be there to help you. You have to have that community. Think back to David. When David was there and he remained in Jerusalem, what happened? All of his men, he sent his commanders, his friends, his community, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. He sent them out. He remained back in Jerusalem. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to commit adultery by not having a community group, but you get the point, right? You're not in community. You're pulling away. You can just get off focus. You can just, you can slip up. You can just get away. You're not remaining in Christ. You got to make it a discipline. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but oh, it's painful. People can be messy. However, Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Let's look at the final discipline this morning. Remain faithful to your calling. You know, the story I shared at the beginning about Truett becoming concerned, deeply concerned about the future of Chick-fil-A and the local franchise owner like me and his family on what we were going to do in a season of prosperity is very real is very, very real. It's very wise. I want to share you. This is Chick-fil-A's corporate purpose. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Our corporate purpose as an organization is to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us and have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Now, that's not necessarily what we do, but this is our calling. We sell chicken. We sell milkshakes. We sell waffle fries, right? We're a hospitality, or we're, I think we're the fastest drive throughs on planet Earth. We do those things very well, but that's not our calling. Our calling is to glorify God. Our calling is to care for people, genuinely care and love for people. That's what we're called to do. And so matter, it doesn't matter what job you're in, what school you're going to, your calling is to follow and live for Christ in that place. And it's gonna look different for different people. Chick-fil-A, again, we sell chicken. And we love Jesus and we love people. That's what we do. It may be different for you, but that's your calling and you can't lose sight. You have to remain faithful to your calling. I want to put up another verse on the screen, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. This is a classic and it's so, so good. But it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off 
everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We could just read that over and over again and go home. And that is just, that's just good. These verses, they are a great reminder for us to ask ourselves this question, what are things right now, right now that are pulling your attention away from Jesus? A few months back, I don't know what I was thinking, but I downloaded Twitter, okay? I downloaded Twitter. Um, I I know I'm late to the game because Twitter's been around for, well, maybe not that long. It's probably been 10 years the way technology goes so fast now, but I was late to the game. I downloaded Twitter and here's what I found out. One, memes are hilarious. Memes are so funny, and I, and I, I really got into that. I've never really seen those. The other thing I found out is I found out that news, you get news so much faster on Twitter because it's like as soon as something happens, someone is tweeting about it, and it's like, oh, my gosh. And then the other thing I saw was I got to see the world's reaction to everything. And for me, what I realized in downloading that app, I realized, oh, my goodness, like it's affecting my mindset. It's affecting my mind. Like all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting fired up for no reason. It is not, I mean, it's not affecting my daily life, but I'm getting, all, I'm getting all fired up. I'm getting anxious. I'm getting, it's just not feeling right. I don't know if anybody can agree with me on that, but that's where I was. And so I was actually sitting right back there, not to make someone feel uncomfortable, but I was sitting right back there next to the sound booth and no offense to Jose. I have no idea what he was talking about or preaching about that day, but I couldn't remember. I was trying to remember and I couldn't, but I was sitting right back there and something that Jose said just Ugh, right in the gut, just hit me in the stomach. And I pulled out my phone and I went over and I held my finger down and I deleted the app. Okay. Now, am I saying that, was I sinning using Twitter? No, I was not sinning using Twitter. That's not the point. But what it was is it was taking my eyes. It was hindering. I had to throw off what was hindering me. Have I thrown off everything that's hindering me? No, I'm still in process. I'm figuring that out. But that was one example in my life where I realized it was pulling. I was caught in the endless scroll. I was just wasting my time. You pull it out and you just scroll, 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 scroll. Angry, angry. Oh, react. Oh, retweet. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I, why am I participating in this? This is not good. And I realized it was hindering me. It was taking my attention off my wife. It was taking my attention off Jesus, taking attention away from my kids. I had to refocus and it was the discipline I put in place. So you may be saying like, ah, no Twitter, ah, no Snapchat. Oh no, Instagram, Well, look, you you, you survived 10 years ago when they didn't exist. But anyways, but look, it may be that. But remember, no discipline. See, have you heard this before? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful. No Twitter, no Instagram, it's painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So it may be painful, but if it means more of Jesus, then do it. Do it. As the band's starting to make their way uh, back up, I want to close out with this and, and, and recap what we talked about this morning. We talked about remaining faithful in conversation with God, right? Luke 5 talks about withdraw, withdraw often, right? It can't just be like everyone's talking withdraw often. The other one we talked about was remain faithful in listening to God's word. Remember 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed. No matter if you're in a season of high, season of low, it doesn't matter. You need to be tethered to the scripture. You need to be disciplined in that. Don't get lulled to sleep. Remain faithful in community with God's people. Spur 
one another toward love and good deeds and do not give up meeting together. And the last one is remaining faithful to your calling. Throw off, throw off everything, anything that's hindering you because sin so easily entangles. Remember David, David was there, he was living it out and just in a moment, he went for a stroll on the roof of his palace. It just, boom, in that second, gone, took his eyes off, lost it. And we didn't get a chance to, you can, again, kind of teaser what's gonna happen. I encourage you to read it. I encourage you to read it because it, it doesn't just end there. There's a whole cascading of events that happens after that. And even, at the, even as you go through it, God is faithful through all of it. That's also the good news. As you look at David, you might think, oh man, David's, David's gone, did, did, did he get struck dead? No, no, there was consequences. There was big consequences for his actions, but God even then was faithful to David. I wanna end and I wanna close with this passage from John 15, three through four. It says this, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Remain faithful, disciplined. And now is we're about to go into a time of worship. I love that we end with worship after it. I think it's so good because it gives you time to process what you're not just go, okay, sweet, okay, communion, okay, yeah. No, you get time to process, you get time to reflect. And so for some of you, it may be thinking, okay, what do, what, what discipline or what action do I need to add to my life starting today? What is it that I need to remove? Do you need to, you need to pull out your phone and delete Twitter? Do you need to pull out your phone and delete something? Maybe that's you today, I don't know. Or maybe it's just an adjustment. Maybe it's like, man, I'm coming home every day and I watch Netflix for three hours, or I do this, right? I don't know. Maybe that's you, adjust it. I'm not saying get rid of it, maybe. Maybe it's just an adjustment. Maybe it's just not. Maybe today is like the first time that you've heard anything about Jesus or anything like that. Maybe today's just like, Lord, like I'm, man, I'm, I'm lost, I'm confused, and Jesus, yeah, I've messed up and I need you. And that might just be you this morning, just calling out to God and saying, hey, I, I need you this morning. And like, I've got, yeah, I'm just, I'm consumed with, with value and commerce and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus, I just need you. I, wanna, I want to surrender my life to you today. It's gonna look different for everybody in the room and that's totally fine. But remember, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful, it's hard, it's a choice. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. How many just want peace today? Peace for those who've been trained by it. Why don't you pray with me? Jesus, God, we need you. We need you when we think we have it all together and we need you when we know we don't have it all together. Jesus, we, we've been challenged today by different disciplines and reflecting our life. And Lord, I, I wanna ask that, like it says in your word in Psalm 139, that Lord, that we would each search our own hearts, that we would look down deep and go, man, Lord, what is it? What, is there anything that's getting my attention? Anything that's hindering me today? And Lord, that today we would lay it, lay it before you and say, hey, enough, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna make it right. It's gonna be painful. It's gonna be tough, but I know it's going to lead to a better life in you. And so Jesus, we, we ask that we open up our hearts, we open up our minds to listen to you as we go into a time of worship, that we sit, we be, that we're still, and we get to just experience that you are God, withdrawing from everything, to-do lists, everything in our mind, and just sitting here in your presence and just knowing you are God, finding peace in that. I pray this in your name.